Welcome to the More Than Models podcast. Your host is Andreas, the founder of modelmanagement.com. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome to More Than Models. In this podcast, I talk with models, influencers, photographers, directors, with managers of brands, advertising agencies, and model agencies. And we look behind the scenes of the world's fastest growing modeling platform, modelmanagement.com. My guests and I discuss a wide range of topics such as diversity, dealing with rejection, work-life balance, and how technology is changing this industry to become safer and more transparent. Each conversation is packed with insights into this amazing modeling world. And I hope you will enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoy making it. It sound right, boy. Welcome to another episode of More Than Models. Today, I have a guest from Denver, Colorado. She's, of course, a very special guest, as all my guests. Her name is Monica Ariel Levin. I don't know if I said it right. You can correct me later but I would like to continue my introduction so everybody's excited of having you here and understands why Monica is in my podcast. I would describe her as a serial entrepreneur, a world explorer, a diversity advocate, a former gold medal figure skater, and of course, that's why she's also here, she is a model. She worked as a bikini model and as a body paint model, and she did quite a lot of model gigs that she will explain in that podcast how about that introduction monica oh that was wonderful i love it that was perfect so why don't you introduce yourself with your own words maybe you um have other highlights or other details for us like when did the life of monica start and in what is important why are you here just present yourself <laughs> perfect perfect um well you know thank you for the amazing introduction Uh, my name is Monica. I'm from Denver, Colorado, born and raised. Um, I have had quite a colorful life uh, between being very athletic. Um, I spent 10 years as a competitive figure skater. I spent over 10 years part of a professional dance company. Um, on top of that, I spent the majority of my youth uh, doing a lot of different sports. Um, and then when I was 18 years old, I got into modeling. Um, and my, my version of getting into modeling was very different than a lot of people. Um, you know, I was, I was 18 years old. I was really just, you know, trying to find myself. And, you know, I was at a point where the majority of opportunities I got, I just wanted to say, yes, I was very inspired by that movie. Yes, man. Um, <laughs> and with that, I was able to just do some incredible things. Um, when I was 18 years old, I did my first body paint Uh, it wasn't even a photo shoot, really. That was not the purpose. Um, it was a body paint event. Um, and I was absolutely nervous. I had no idea what to do. Um, I was so afraid to, you know, be exposed. So I ended up wearing like a full top and like full bottoms. Um, and after that, I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I've been doing, I've been body paint modeling for a solid 10 years since. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a model in worldwide international competitions, um, you know, I've been able to be body paint for events and I've walked around downtown in my city covered in body paint. Um, and I do not know many people who can say that. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, that's a lot. And I, I will dig a bit deeper into that because there's some, some nice stories about your body paint career. Um, I think if I remember right, you're, you're, you're the first touch point with modeling started when you worked for Hooters. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I finished high school or I finished high school early. Uh, I was 17 years old um, and I finished the semester early. And, you know, at that point, I moved out of my parents' house rather young. Uh, and, you know, I needed to make money, as most teenagers do. Um, so basically, I want to say almost exactly a month after I turned 18, I was taking college classes and I was supposed to be in high school. Uh, I applied for Hooters. Um, and the To be honest, the reason was because I was looking for something that was fun, exciting, and I was really looking for an opportunity to make a lot more money than most 18-year-olds could. This is what I thought at the time. Uh, and in my yes man phase, I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's totally do it. And, you know, I mean, the uniform didn't bother me at all because you're basically wearing the exact same thing you wear as a figure skater. 
Um, so I, uh, so I started working at Hooters and it was actually really fun and interesting because the world I've never experienced, you know, I mean, there's all these women, they were so glamorous, you know, like they, their hair was always on point, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen people wear fake eyelashes every day. Um, and, you know, just by being around that environment with all these beautiful women who were so in tune with, you know, how to present themselves both physically and, you know, just interacting with people. Um, it really did shape me for quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was maybe I was working there for two months and they were doing a bikini competition. And, you know, at that point, you know, I had a very athletic body, you know, I definitely, you know, I was, I was very different than kind of a lot of typical model bodies that you would see. Um, but in my yes name phase, I was like, yeah, I'll do a bikini competition. Why shouldn't I, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and I did it. I was probably the youngest one there because I was 18 years old and maybe three months. Um, and I was the only person who clearly had never done any sort of artificial tanning. I was like the little, the little glowing, um, you know, white beam walking down the runway. Uh, and it was thrilling. It was terrifying. I learned a lot, but you know, I'm really happy I did it because it was one of those things that I never thought I'd do. Um, and then from that moment, actually, there was a photographer there uh, and his name was Frank. And actually I'm really good friends with him to this day. Um, but you know, shortly after this, uh, bikini competition, he comes into the store and he says, Hey, I love your look. You're very natural. I would love to do a photo shoot with you. And I'd never been asked that before. And at that point, you know, I'm 18, I'm very guarded. I'm very worried about, you know, someone being predatory or all these things, you know, I have, I have a very wonderful mother, but she has, she has told me that the world is terrible in every way possible and made me afraid of it in every way possible. <laughs> so, you know, at first I was very hesitant, but, you know, he came in a few times and, you know, I was like, okay, maybe eventually. And then one day he came in and he showed me the image from that bikini competition. And it was the first time I'd ever seen myself really in that light, you know, as a model. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen myself in photos, you know, I did senior photos, things like that, but nothing to that caliber. And after looking at that photo and seeing what I looked like from that lens, I mean, I was like, it took my breath away. I'd never seen myself like that. I never viewed myself like that. Um, and that was the moment that really kind of changed my outlook on myself, just, you know, as my physical appearance, but also my confidence. Um, and it was just, I will never forget that moment. It was just incredible. Um, and actually yeah. since then, I always encourage everyone I can. I'm like, Hey, you know, if you're, if you get a chance, I recommend doing a professional photo shoot with someone seeing yourself in that way. I think it's a game changer. Um, and yeah, cool. so, yeah. So, so um, I mean, uh, probably people are curious like how you start working at Hooters and you do a first bikini contest and then uh, you present it now as a diversity advocate and a former gold medal figure skater and and an entrepreneur like a female entrepreneur example um and and this is more than models the podcast has a name and it's not coincidence because everything is around something related with modeling but we want to show that Uh, there's no kind of prototype model. If somebody is a model, uh, that doesn't mean he or she is just a model or is uh, any any uh, not or intelligent, whatever. This is things that people have in mind. Um, models are people like, like everybody and they have a life and uh, it's very interesting. But I think what really... Um, what really everybody shares with us here in this podcast, which you also just shared with us, is the exciting experience to work with real professionals on a photo set. So you had the luck to, to meet a good photographer and what a good photographer can do with kind of a, a person that thinks he or she is a normal looking person uh, and, and which changes the confidence and the experience during the shooting is, is something I think unforgettable. I think we should always remember that modeling is not about becoming a supermodel or whatever, getting on a cover of any kind of magazine. Modeling is an experience and it's something that um, it's an attitude. It's something that can change the way how you see yourself. And if you only look at pretty pictures and think everybody's more beautiful than you, that's not because they're more beautiful. It's just because they work with professionals who kind of gave them a perspective that for us looks beautiful. Uh, and we are may maybe too critical with ourselves if we look in the mirror, right? So I think modeling gives you the opportunity to look at yourself as you would look as another model. Can you, can you confirm that? Oh, exactly. And I mean, you know, it's, 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 there's almost a tipping point um, when you do your first professional 
a photo shoot compared to before where, you know, prior to that, you know, you do, you do uh, kind of like what you're saying, you do have that view of models as an, oh, they are like this. But then after you do it and after you see yourself in that light, all of a sudden, like that just kind of like lights this fire of confidence in you where you're like, wait a minute, you know, like I can, I can do things that are very similar to these other models. Now, not the same because you don't want to be the same. You know, exactly. I, and especially now, you know, I do think that um, diverse modeling is so important for our culture and seeing it more and more. I think it's just incredible. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you made the, the step for the next the next chapter in my in my podcast. There's <laughs> not really chapters, but I just call it like that uh, diversity. Yeah. So as I said, diversity advocate, we can talk about diversity, but let's talk about yourself first. People don't see you. Um, I mean, if they want to see you, how, how can they find you on uh, on Instagram, for example, what's your Instagram uh, account? Just to let people have a quick look. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so my Instagram is very eclectic. I love putting a lot of different photos on there. Uh, it is Miss, M-I-S-S, Monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, R-I-E-L. Because, you know, my first and middle name is Monica Ariel, but I didn't want to put two A's next to each other because it looked funny. So I just combined the A's. <laughs> okay. So, and of course, um, I will not doubt that uh, we will find you on modelmanagement.com we will share the link in our notes uh, with, with the audience so my point is um, you are I would say you would be classified as a petite model you're not the typical like tall tall girl um, which is yeah it's totally okay it's diverse and we have had other models here in the podcast who haven't been in uh, one, 175 centimeters or 180 haven't had this this uh, classical traditional uh, size um, so I guess you also had like doubts before you came in touch with modeling. Like, can you, can you do it? Are you tall enough and whatever? And what I really find funny about your story is when you said, um, first of all, you're confident. So you don't really mind that you don't have the size, but when you started, uh, working as a body paint model, <laughs> that one of your arguments to the photographer was like, Hey, that's really cost efficient because if you have a body paint model that is not as tall you save money i think that's really good good way to turn it around so uh, let's talk exactly. a bit about that and about about yeah how, how you looked at yourself having like the size you have which looks pretty and you're not tall but uh, you accept yourself and then when you started like into body paint modeling what that that did with you Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, for, for everyone kind of listening to this, I am five foot two. Uh, I've never been taller than five foot two. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I also, I've always had kind of a very athletic build, you know, I mean, I did so many sports, especially very like lower body heavy sports, you know, I mean, I have very strong legs, you know, very strong core. Uh, so I definitely had a very different body type than most models you would see on top of the fact that, um, you know, I'm rather pale. Um, you know, I've never done the artificial tanning. Um, unfortunately, skin cancer runs in my family, so I'm actually afraid of it. Um, you know, so I was very different in all these in all these ways. Um, but you know, for body paint, it was interesting because um, I actually had a lot of things that were valuable. So being short is one because it saves time, um, and you also use less paint, which you know, I mean, it's just math. You know, if you have less surface area, you need less material to cover it. You can um, so see you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> so that was really amazing. But also, um, I have no tattoos. Uh, and that was a really big thing because, you know, I love tattoos. They're beautiful. Um, I think that it's incredible art. Just I've, I'm too afraid right now, so I've never done that yet. But, you know, having tattoos, you know, there, there are plenty of body paint models that have tattoos. But, like, you have to think more about it, you know, and it takes more work to cover. And, like, depending on how your skin takes that ink, Some, like there's some people with tattoos where it's at, like your skin's almost raised with having it, you know, it's like, you know, you can put makeup over it and then you can put paint over it. But depending on how intricate the details are, sometimes it's really hard to cover. Uh, so that's kind of a whole separate thing that a lot of body painters struggled with uh, and that they love me for because they had nothing to worry about with that. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And also, I mean, to to uh, for the ones who didn't do uh, body paint or have any idea, um, you don't have to be naked. So you you wear something. Uh, so it's absolutely fine if you don't want to be naked. You can do body paint and uh, you feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you know. So it's interesting. So I've probably been body painted over a hundred times, and I have never once uh, been full nude. Um, and so the typical the typical kind of attire is. Um, like you will wear underwear, but they will, they will glue the front and the back to you. 
and then they'll cut off the side so that it gives the illusion of being naked, but you know, you're, you can still feel comfortable with that. Um, and then I also typically wear pasties and with the, and the pasties are mostly just for design aspect, you know, cause having a flat surface with paint is so much easier and it kind of like makes the eye travel more as opposed to, you know, getting stuck on like, you know, things that are not even on your body. Yeah, great. So that's good. I'm sure that many people didn't experience that and it looks fantastic. I can just recommend to to check out her Instagram and see some amazing pictures of, of body paint jobs. Um, so let's talk about the other part, which is uh, the gold medal figure skater. Impressive. You always, yeah, you said already you did a lot of sports. I think probably uh, figure skating is your favorite or was your favorite. Are you still practicing it? Um, I do it for fun. Uh, I don't, I don't, I've not done it professionally or competitively in a while, but I love doing it for fun. Every winter, I know where all of the rinks are. I'm always, you know, asking my friends to come ice skating with me. It's a really fun time. Uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful sport. I, I really like, like to watch it. And I guess also uh, the people who do it like the, the styling, no? the, the dresses you wear. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love costumes in general and everything I've done is costumes, you know, so figure skating is very costume heavy. Uh, professional dance is very costume heavy. Modeling is very costume heavy. You know, even if you're in paint, that is still a costume. <laughs> so that's a big thing of mine that I love. So um, from, from the, from the figure skating uh, to the diversity advocate, and you told me a story about when you being young, I don't know, eight years or so and you you were went for training for figure skating and um you you now you're now supporting um the uh, the lgbqt or lgbtq <laughs> uh, movement uh, maybe you yes. can also explain where the q comes from and what that is uh, and um so you defend that which is part of the diversity uh, movement of course uh, and you also um appeared in the olympic games lgbt Olympic Games or what is it? Uh, the, know, gay games. the gay, the gay games. games. <laughs> um, so you're supporting uh, this this movement and and of course any kind of diversity, sexuality or gender. Um, but I, I really I was really touched about the story, like how how that started in as a kid, like what what you experienced. I would I would love you to share that with with our audience and, and maybe touch me again with this story. Yes, yes. No, I'd love to. Um, so, so just to kind of go back, um, so LG, so it's LGBTQ plus and the Q stands for queer, you know, and like one thing I love about this movement is that like more and more people are funding themselves by, you know, having, having different definitions that they identify with as opposed to just the binary ones of gay, straight or, you know, like there's, you know, there's more and more things coming out that are helping people feel, you know, just so much more uh, accepted with themselves. And I love that. Um, but so just kind of background. So obviously I was a figure skater from a very young age and, you know, there is a massive LGBTQ plus community within that, or within the figure skating community. And, you know, there was this moment when I was, so I was eight years old and I was, you know, at figure skating practice. Um, you know, I, I probably had, you know, five or six friends that I knew that I saw up, you know, once, twice a week at skating. I love seeing them. It was so much fun. Um, by the way, the figure skating community is great. Like my experience with it is it's very welcoming and very accepting because, you know, it's people from all walks of life, you know, that are coming together, all ages, all genders. Um, and it's a really beautiful uh, sport from that perspective. Um, but so when I was eight years old, uh, I was at a figure skating practice and I was with my mother and my friend, Ryan, who, you know, at that point he was maybe in his thirties or forties. Uh, probably around that area. Um, and he brought his boyfriend there. And it's the first time I'd ever met his boyfriend. But I just remember they were so charming, you know, because he was like, he was teaching him how to skate and they were trying to skate together. And you could tell that they were both really smitten and very nervous. Um, you know, and as an eight-year-old, I just, I loved love. I loved marriage. I thought, you know, just people being in love was such a magical thing. Um, so, you know, just watching them skate, it was an incredible experience. Um, I looked at my mother and I was like, mom, you know, are they going to get married? Like, they're so happy together. And, you know, my mother, her face kind of changed and she looked at me and she goes, Monica, they can't get married. And I looked at her and I was like, well, why not? You know, like that, like just, I, I was never, I was never even aware that there was any situation where you couldn't get married. I was assumed that, oh, you love someone, you get married and then you have a family or not, whatever works. Um, and, you know, my mother had explained to her eight-year-old daughter that, you know, well, you know, right now um, it's not legal for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman. 
And as an eight-year-old, that just bothered me so much because, you know, I'm sitting here watching these two who are clearly in love, you know, just have the best time. And like, just, it it was such a crazy thing to think that they were not given the opportunity to get married and have a family, you know, as, as I've seen all the adults do, you know, in the first eight years of my whole life. Um, And, you know, that always really stuck with me as just kind of, you know, why, like, why is that a thing? You know, because I mean, I was, I was never ever raised with any, um, any viewpoint on, you know, same sex marriage or, you know, homosexuality or any of these aspects, you know I mean? Like I, I knew that it, I knew that it was a thing, but you know, like it wasn't really, it wasn't something that I viewed as taboo. It wasn't something I viewed as anything other than ordinary. You know, I was just like, oh yeah, you know, people love people. If it's, you know, a man loves a man, great. If it's a woman loves a woman, great. Um, you know, so like hearing that for the first time, you know, like, I mean, it started all these questions. My poor mother had to try to explain it to me. Um, you could tell that she wasn't very happy from it. Um, you know, and, you know, I never forgot that moment um, of just, you know, complete sadness for this situation. Um, and from there, you know, I, th- I think that that really shaped a lot of my life in, you know, being a big advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, for for just, you know, people being unique or different in general. Um, Cause you know, I mean, the thing is like, you know, if we were all the same, then, you know, we'd be in the weird like Stepford Wives movie. Like, we don't want that. You know, I think, I think that just all of our uniqueness is so beautiful. Um, you know, and like, that's one thing that I really try to focus on in my everyday life, you know, with people I surround myself with, um, you know, with, with things I do and choose to do. Um, so that was just, I mean, that was a game changer for me in that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, that we, we support the same, we support diversity, inclusion, uh, and and I think beauty uh, is in diversity and not in, in prototypes of people who look all the same and have the same lips and the same body and the same size. Of course, there's specific beauty that somebody admires more than others, but I think the diversity make, makes a difference. And your story is really, really touching. Again, you did it again. <laughs> I, um, I see you there as an eight-year-old kid. Um, just calculating quickly, I don't know exactly your age, but I think we talk about the 2000s kind of year where it was still um, forbidden and, and maybe even more strange to see gays skating together and, and loving each other. What's the situation now? I'm, I'm, I'm living in, in Barcelona in, in Spain, a quite liberal country where gay marriage is, is allowed. Uh, what, what is the current situation in, in Denver? Is it now allowed or still not? Oh, no, it is. Um, so it's actually interesting. So Denver is a very, very liberal city. So, and I mean, in my entire life, um, I, like I was, I have very few instances where, you know, it was, you know, it was something that was not okay or whatnot, just because in Denver, Denver's so liberal as well. It was been so accepted. Um, so I've kind of grown up with it, but actually, um, I remember specifically, um, when it was, and it was actually president Obama who, um, he, he legalized same sex marriage. And this was in 2015. And I remember this because I just finished college and I was uh, traveling all over Europe. Um, And actually, I happened to be in Paris. And this was it was like like one day or two day, like two days. I want to say something like that. It was just before the Paris Pride Festival. And, you know, so I was I did like this big trip for maybe I want to say like between two and three months after graduating college. And I was going all over Europe. Um, I did Spain, France, England, France, Italy. You know, I just kind of went all over the place. Um, and I coincidentally happened to be in Paris, like at the perfect time for Paris Pride. Uh, and it was that weekend that President Obama announced that he was legalizing same-sex marriage. And I mean, like the streets of Paris were insane. Everyone was so happy. Just it was it was like this amazing moment that, you know, the United States, which at that point was a very influential country, you know, culturally. Um, it was so amazing that that you know President Obama was just like no, like it's about time, uh, and so now now it's fully legal, um, you know it's fully legal all across the U.S. Uh, and you know at, at the beginning I think there was some pushback in some states, but Denver Denver has always been very inclusive. Uh, there's a there's a huge LGBTQ plus community. There's a lot of advocates, which I think is very important as well. You know even if you don't identify with that community, just you know being an advocate, being willing to listen and accept it. Uh, I think it's amazing. So it's very, it's very different, I would say, just because of the legality. But culturally, I mean, I was always just around it, you know, between figure skating and being such a wonderful liberal city. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look back in, in history, and I mean, even your 
young life, uh, looking back when you were eight. Um, I always like to to also talk about the good things that we achieved in, in our society. I mean, if I would talk to your parents or to my parents, they would probably tell us how being gay or kissing uh, a man, another man, would you would end up in jail or, or even worse, you would be killed. Uh, and, uh, and you experienced in your childhood that you couldn't marry, which is also a limitation. But now we are living, 20 years later, um, uh, we're living in, um, in a world where it's possible to marry and to to be happy as a as a gay couple and that's nice and who knows i mean there's still a lot, lot to do i know and and not all cultures are as fortunate as our european or uh, us culture there's of course other countries where it's where they're far away from that uh, but that's why we need advocates like you so mm -hmm. um let's talk about the next uh, part of your personality and your 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 young life and i read everything i, I would say you you could be more than 50, but you're not even 30, I think. <laughs> so with everything I'm 28 lived... years old. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm 28 years old. <laughs> Good. Always be careful with a woman talking about the age, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's your uh, entrepreneur life. And uh, there's also like a link to modeling. I mean, I don't know if it's a real link, but I made it a link. So um, when I looked at your Instagram, we talked about that. You had this one image uh, of a body paint shoot. Uh, which had like was outstanding the amount of likes it had it, it called my attention i mean we have half a million followers on, on instagram and model management is a quite big community um and i can tell you that getting sixty-eight thousand likes on one picture is really difficult even with half a million followers. and i don't you, you don't know i don't think you have even near to that followers but you somehow got this which means either this picture was just extraordinary or you are have it done or you have like a gift for, for social media and uh, I don't know if this was a driver but uh, you started your own like marketing agency is that right so was mm -hmm. that the story or what was the real story um actually so so it's kind of an interesting one so so as far as that photo just kind of for some contents for, for content for everyone listening um so so with this photo I am you know covered in body paint um, it's like a beautiful lace kind of design. Um, and I'm in the middle of Larimer Square, which is a very famous square in Denver. You know, there's flags, it's beautiful. Uh, and there happened to be like three people behind me kind of looking at me in this photo. And this was not a professional photo. This was just a cell phone photo uh, that I decided to put up. Uh, and I'm wearing a wig because I'm more confident. I'm, I'm more confident when I wear a wig, but also um, it, I just, it's much easier. I'm not good at doing hair. So wearing wigs is easier. Um, and you know, I just, I put up that photo and I think just every, like so many people just thought it was so cool. One, because it's daring, but two, I think it was actually rather comical kind of seeing the people in the background, just like staring at me and like, they, you know, they weren't unkind by any means. They were just kind of like, you know, very surprised at the, uh, at what they, you know, happened to see as they were walking down. Um, and yeah, so, um, that was actually, that was just a really great photo that completely took off. It's still getting engagement. Um, I've never done any sort of paid paid social media on on many of my personal accounts many things organic um, and I have just over 10,000 followers so that is a massive uh, that's like a massive percentage <laughs> to get as far as attention um, but so as far as my business so I have a marketing company and I specialize in uh, graphic design websites and social media management um, and it's actually something that I started doing in 2017 uh, and the reason that I started kind of like doing it is because I really, I needed a remote job. Um, you know, so I, I, I got my master's degree in London. So I was living there for a year. Then afterwards, I really wanted to stay there. Um, you know, so I had to apply for jobs. I had to fly back and forth. I mean, it was a very long process, especially because it was just after Brexit. So a lot of companies were very nervous about hiring. Um, and so, you know, as I'm doing all this, well, of course, I need to have a job, make money. Um, and it started out with websites. I, you know, I mean, I have, I have a massive art background. I'm very visual. I've been doing Photoshop for, I don't know, since I was probably 13. Um, you know, so I started out with websites. Uh, and then, you know, and then this company that I had some graphics for, they're like, hey, do you do social media management? And I mean, I'd only ever done personal social media management, but, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, I can do social media management. You know, I mean, it's all about graphics and it's about copywriting. It's, it's really just about creating things that catch people's attention. And I love catching people's attention. It's why I do all the crazy things I do. Um, and, you know, this company is so it happened to it happened to be a company where um, like within that industry, they're not able to advertise or they're not able to do paid advertising. 
So I really had to learn how to organically, without spending marketing dollars, figure out how to capture this audience, how to get people interested um, and things like that. And, and the way I did that is I would create really interesting, beautiful uh, animated graphics. Um, and I would use these graphics to kind of sell their products, et cetera. Um, and like, that was kind of the beginning of, you know, this really beautiful um, company that I created that really specializes in organic ethical marketing. You know, like, I mean, I don't do any of this gimmicky stuff, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I mean, I just, I, I really wanna create things that people care about, you know, and that's mostly my marketing style. Uh, so I've been doing that since 2017. Um, I've actually been growing quite a bit this year, which I'm very excited about. And it was also very nerve wracking with COVID. Um, but yeah, just, I absolutely love it. You know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, it's interesting. I watch so many, so many articles or so many, um, documentaries about social media and how we're all addicted and whatnot. And the thing is we are definitely addicted to social media, but, you know, I think, I think that social media provides a really nice platform to, to like, you know, inspire people, you know, to create beautiful things, to share things, you know, I mean, so many people focus on social media as in like, you know, the political arguments and, you know, at this point, you no know, pandemic discussions. And, you know, I mean, that's fine if that's how you want to use it. But, you know, I think that it's so important for brands and companies, even individuals, just just to just to share things that make people happy. You know, if someone's having a bad day, I want them to I want them to come across one of your posts and just have it have it make them feel a little bit better. You know, whatever that may be, whether it's an inspiring message, whether it's, you know, a photo of me pretend naked covered in paint in the middle of a square with people staring at me, like whatever it may be, just, I think it's such a beautiful thing with social media uh, and I'm a big advocate for it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one of my companies and I absolutely love it. It is so much fun. You, you can tell when I look at you, when you talk about it, how, how delighted you are about, about doing that. And uh, I agree that, that the way you do it, it's, it has a lot of positive aspects in social media. Of course, as everybody, everything has its two coins. And we know that there's a lot of people who, who use social media for the wrong cause. And that's, that's a shame. But uh, we need people like you and maybe like me and everybody who listens now to, to bring the, the bright side to it and to, to be positive and, and, yeah, and change the world. Yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, we, we will come to the next point, which uh, is still on the entrepreneurship. You are a very hungry, young, talented woman. <laughs> you want to change the world, um, the world explorer. By the, by the way, you lived also in London, right? For some time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I lived there for one year solid. And then I was back and forth for another two years until the pandemic restricted everything. All right. So just a quick one. Uh, Europe versus US. What was your most important experience? Like what would you like, tell your friends who have never been in Europe or London? Like, what was different? So, and so remember, I've traveled all over Europe. And so comparing all of Europe to all the US is impossible because it's so different. Each country has is very unique. Um, and I just, I absolutely love, I love, I love exploring different things, different cultures. Uh, but so London specifically was my favorite because it was so international. I mean, like, you know, I would, I would go, I would go to the tube station to go to my university and I would hear like five different languages. I mean, just that's just so beautiful to see so many cultures coming together just on an everyday basis and having that be normal life. Um, you know, that's always something that we don't get as much in the U.S., especially in Denver, where I'm from. Denver's wonderful, but, you know, it's it's in the middle of the country. So it's a little bit less diverse than, you know, the coastal <laughs> cities. Uh, yeah. So it was just incredible, just inc incredible. You know, so many people from different backgrounds coming together, different experiences, you know, celebrating different cultural holidays was amazing. Uh, so that was definitely my favorite part of London. Great. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see the, the different cultures. I, I think if you would, I mean, I've been in New York a lot, and I think that's quite similar in terms of different languages and multiculture. I really love that, like how the different cultures live together in a, in a dense spot. Uh, and I think that we got probably the most comparable to London, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I would say, I would say as far as US cities, it's definitely the most comparable, but even then, um, it's most comparable. It's not that comparable <laughs> in the sense yeah. of, yeah, I mean, like I, I live in New York, it's fun to go, but just, I feel like London is so much more international just because you have so many countries that are all super close together. Do you know, there's 26 major cities that are within a two hour flight of London, 26. That's insane. In two hours. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. No, yeah. It's, so it's, love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it too. Uh, I love both. I mean, I love uh, Europe and, and when I go to US, I'm also amazed. It's, 
it's just we live in a world where we can experience so many different things and cultures. It's great. And you are an explorer and also as an entrepreneur, one company is not enough. So you want to do more. You started also an event company. Um, and I think we will come to a point where we see some some things we have in common. Uh, you you have a, an idea, a cause behind this event company. You want to help your community um, and also uh you, you you fight for sustainability um so that's definitely something when you explain your event company where i jump in and i i have something to say as well but uh yeah just just explain us this this other part of monica entrepreneur why is not a marketing company enough why do we need another company and and how did you get to that yeah definitely um yeah so so this year 2021 i did start an event company It's called Denver Social Society, um, you know, and, and with that, we put on a bunch of amazing, very unique events kind of around Denver. You know, I really try to do things that are very different from all the other events, you know, celebrate different cultures or, you know, just different, different themes, different costumes. I love costumes. Have I mentioned that? Um, did. But, you know, <laughs> Several know, yeah, times. You can see them. <laughs> You can see them all on my Instagram. They're ridiculous. Um, no, but so so what happened was so so I struggled during the pandemic, and you know I recognize it's still not over. But you know during 2020, the height of the pandemic, uh, it was a really rough time for a lot of people in my community and in my circle. Um, you know, and I just I, I watched so many small businesses that have been around for years struggle, and a lot of them even shut down. Um, and that was a really hard thing. Um, you know, and then personally for me, I lost both my grandparents during the pandemic. Um, and that was like a really stressful time for me because, um, you know, I was one of their main caretakers, you know, it was me and my parents. And then we also had, um, like hired nurses helping as well. Um, you know, they were at the end of their life. So, you know, they did need quite a bit of help. Um, and I was very terrified of, you know, getting COVID and, you know, infecting my family, infecting the caretakers that were also helping other families. Um, and it was a really scary, stressful time. Um, you know, and at that point I was very isolated within all that. You know, so I'm isolated. I'm paranoid about getting all these people around me sick. You know, I'm watching my grandparents who I love tremendously, both, you know, at the end of their life. Um, and it was really challenging. And on top of that, I um, you know, I had a lot of friends who were business owners, um, a lot of people in my circle where their businesses completely just crumbled overnight. I mean, it was a really hard time. Um, and so with that, you know, I decided, hey, after after spending so much time not being able to have human interaction, um, I really wanted to start like uh, a community of people, um, you know, who just want to get together and, you know, do really unique things. Um, you know, after living in London, I was very spoiled with some of the most amazing, incredible experiences that I will never forget until I die. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where it started. But also, you know, as I'm as I'm watching all these small businesses, you know, start to reopen and they're struggling to recover. You know, it was really hard for me to watch that with my community. Um, so with that, it was actually, um, it was actually that, that inspired me to start an event company that really focuses on supporting local businesses. Um, so with that, with that, you know, every single event that I do, I always try to do it at a locally, locally owned establishment. Um, I really try to support female owned businesses and my, and minority owned businesses. Um, you know, I try, I try to get like local vendors, um, you know, local liquor sponsors, things like that. Just, you know, like really kind of focusing on our local community, uh, as I bring people together for these cool experiences. Um, so that was kind of the first part where the whole idea started. Um, and then at some point over the summer, there were just so many forest fires, um, specifically in California. And, and then they were so bad that they were actually uh, affecting Colorado. Um, so, you know, Colorado, you know, or especially Denver, we have beautiful mountain views. They're incredible. But, you know, the majority of the summer, it was so smoky and so hazy. You couldn't even see the mountains. And for me, you know, I struggle with, um, I struggled with asthma when I was a kid. So I'm not exactly the best at breathing. Um, so there were some days that it, you know, it impacted me, you know, I was coughing a lot and it wasn't good. Um, you know, so on, on top of kind of starting an event company to really focus on supporting local business, local community, uh, I decided that I also wanted to plant trees because <laughs> I like trees. I think they're amazing. I think they're such an important part of, you know, our planet's sustainability, which we all know is kind of not doing super awesome right now. Um, so, so what I decided to do is, so with my event company, every single guest who attends my event, and I'm starting it from 2021. So, you know, I'm already probably close to a thousand trees. Um, so what's every single guest that attends any of my events, I'm going to plant a tree. Um, so with that, you know, we're already about a thousand. It would be really great to get to, you know, closer to 2000 by the end of the year. 
Um, but you know, that was just something that I was really passionate about, you know, and I'm, I'm partnering with a nonprofit. Um, they do projects all over the world. Um, and so at the end of the, at the end of the year, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some of the money that I've got from the event company and I'm going to allocate it to them to make sure that I plant one tree for every guest who's attended. And um, that's just kind of my little way of giving back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, I have to jump in here because we, we have something in common. We also support a, a similar project. I don't know if it's the same, uh, the same charity. It's um, in our case, it's Click, Click and Tree. And uh, we also uh, build a tree or plant a tree, better said, for every uh, new premium member on our, on our, on our community. Um, and uh, we started this only a month ago. It's amazing. Our ambition is to have our own forest somewhere. Um, and I think, yeah, it's these little things you can do. I mean, you do it as an individual, which is really, really admirable. We do it as a company. We have uh, more people helping me, probably more funds than you. But uh, you are here because you are really inspiring. You should inspire our audience. You inspired me. You are a 28 years old young woman. Um, if somebody would look at your pictures, earlier modeling or body paint pictures, probably people would have a lot of things in their mind, but they would never expect such an amazing curriculum and story, being a gold medalist as a skater, supporting uh, diversity, being an advocate, having building two companies, Uh, actively supporting sustainability, building trees, um, being there for your family and for your community locally. That's, that's amazing. Um, and that's more than models. I cannot just say something more than that. You are a role model of my more than model podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm very flattered. I appreciate that. Well, just wait, just, just wait, just wait 10 years and let's see what I've accomplished. <laughs> yeah, you said the 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 goal is very high so if you want to keep the pace i'm expecting a lot of things the next 10 years as well but yeah uh, i hope you enjoy your life as well and you're happy um and um that's that brings me to the last points of our interview unfortunately it comes to an end i would love to keep talking to you can do that on another occasion but in the podcast um we now come to the point where i pass you a question from our last guest I think you know that little game when you listen to other episodes and I hope you're prepared for the question. Are you? Um, I'm, I'm not prepared, but I do have an answer. So that's good. <laughs> okay, good. So the question from the last guest um, was also a very, very interesting uh, guest. The, the episode, uh, I can really recommend to, to listen to that as anyone, but uh, also an, an inspiring role model, in this case, male. Um, he asked you, without knowing that it's you, um, if you could solve one problem that the world has currently, or humanity has, only one, and you could choose which problem you would like, you would like to solve, which one would it be? So as far as humanity specifically, I think that our biggest problem is acceptance. And with that, I intentionally make that broad because, um, so for example, I think, I think that as, as individuals, a lot of us, to an extent, we all struggle to accept ourselves, you know, like the aspects that are different, different about us, the aspects that are maybe counterculture or, you know, a little different than kind of, you know, the, the normal baseline of culture. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people struggle to accept that. And I think that that's a root cause of a lot of unhappiness for people. Um, but also on a greater scale, you know, I think, I think that so often, you know, so many people like, you know, we're so focused on how we're different. We view them as negative things. Um, you know, I mean, like, you know, in our, in our, you know, global, uh, global, um, or I guess what I, well, in our global culture, it is very uh, apparent that, you know, we all, a lot of us kind of view, view everyone as being different. And it's not necessarily a good thing, you know, different religions, different cultures, you know, like rather than just accepting and understanding them and appreciating them for their differences, you know, there's, There's so many arguments about these things, you know, and I think that we're all just inundated with these every day. Um, so as far as as far as the one thing that I would like to help uh, solve, I think it would be just helping people with universal acceptance, both accepting yourself, but also accepting, accepting your neighbor, you know, accepting, accepting the culture that you may not understand, um, you know, ex accepting the country that has different, uh, different traditions than you do. Um, you know, I, th I think that just, you know, if all of us, if all of us as humans, if we could shift our perspectives To, to just this level of acceptance and appreciation for each other. I think that it would help so many things, you know, between conflicts, um, you know, between, 
you know, racism, sexism, all these different like hot topics. Um, so that, so if that, if I had to pick one and there's a whole lot that I would like to pick, uh, that's the one that I would pick. I think it's quite clever because it solves a lot of problems that maybe you could have picked, uh, which are just a consequence of, of that. You know, I think that's really one of the roots of many, many conflicts and problems in the world. And uh, I think we should say acceptance and maybe respect as well. Um, mm -hmm. Respect each other's uh, diversity and respect different religions, cultures, different uh, skin colors, whatever. And uh, mm -hmm. that would be... It would, it would happen all over the place with all people. We would have so little conflicts and so much joy living together. It's 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 marvelous. You are you have a lot of wisdom for your young age. Um, I can say that because I have a couple of years more on my shoulders. Um, <laughs> so, what would be your question for my next guest after Monica Levin? By the way, is it Levin or Lewin or how how to pronounce it? Um. So, so I say Lewin. However, you know, if you're German, it is Levin, and I do have German <laughs> heritage, so either one is fine. <laughs> okay. Who lucky me? So, uh, Monica Lewin slash Levin. What would be your mm -hmm. question for the next guest? Um. So my my question would be. It would be as it would be. How would you, how would you help the world, uh, be or grow grow to be in a better place post pandemic? And I really want to be specific about that because you know so so many people they focus with the pandemic on oh going back to normal, going back to how it used to be. But you know I mean I feel like I feel like all of this is just part of growth. You know, so I want to focus on moving forward to kind of something that's new and more powerful. You know, I mean, people, people being nicer to their neighbors because, you know, we all, we all have a shared experience together. Um, so that would be my question for the next person. Great. So how can we convert the pandemic, which obviously cost a lot of lives and was something very sad for many people and, and a big crisis to something like something positive? Like what did it, what kind of change can it cause for a better world, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about growth. You know, I think I think that a big part of my life is I've just been focusing on growing, you know, don't look back, move forward, just keep going. And, you know, I think I think that the world and kind of like the global community should really focus on, you know, just continuing to grow rather than trying to shape society into something that it was previously. Good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who is the next guest, but um, it will be maybe a tricky one but i would i think i would have an answer i would tell you yeah. later <laughs> perfect um, i'm excited good so now the very last part um i could say it's one of my favorites but the whole podcast is my favorite <laughs> so i like it really i enjoy it so much to talk to people like you and to share experiences and ideas and and the, the different stories in life of people and um all around all around modeling but at the end you realize that modeling is not really the center anymore it's just one thing that we have all in common that we're interested in and in some point of our life it it happened or it happened still but mm -hmm. um the the more exciting part is all everything around it and uh, in your case uh, i cannot just confirm so the last part here is always um a project that i i support or we support as modelmention.com uh, it's called so happy.org so minus happy.org or so dash happy.org if you want to look in the website uh, it's all about as what happiness says but it's about being grateful it's about the fact that uh, often in our life we 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 are grateful for something or we somebody does something to us and we we feel gratefulness but we forget to express it maybe or we didn't express it enough or we don't realize in that moment how much that meant to us and we just realize it afterwards and the idea behind uh, so happy.org is that um, if you show gratefulness you make yourself happy and the other person happy it's not only you don't do it for the other person in the first place you do it for yourself grateful people are happier people yeah, being grateful every day, um, realizing what happened to you in a positive way, why you should be grateful makes yourself also happier. But sharing with other people makes also other people happier. And this project encourages people to do that. And it does it in the way that it makes it easier because you can just go to the website. It's a charity as well. It doesn't cost anything. There's no, um, no commercial interest behind it. It's just really to make this world a little better place. Um, so you can go there, you can grab a video on your mobile phone, 
and say thank you to whoever you want to say thank you on a mobile video message. You can upload to the page, put in an email address, and then it will be sent as a surprise to that person. When this person gets it and clicks, will receive your thank you message. You can also send a postcard uh, in this website. You can also choose a postcard instead of a video, just um, uploading a picture, writing a nice text, and then a postcard goes out to that person. I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to do. Um, I can only encourage people to do it. And now I want you to give an example, like how, how that would sound if somebody would receive your thank you message uh, on, on his or her mobile phone. Um, and before I let you do that, I say thank you very much to everybody listening to our episode. Thank you very much to you, Monica, for being a wonderful guest, having this great conversation. And um, I hope everybody stays tuned now for listening to Monica's moment of being grateful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, it's very interesting because uh, when you so when you pose this question, I immediately knew exactly who I wanted to thank. Um, the person I want to thank, her name is Caitlin Brosna Smith. Uh, she is in Denver, Colorado, and she was my figure skating coach. Uh, when I was growing up and she also encouraged me to dance um, and you know I always looked up to her I always viewed her as like a mentor slash older sister but I don't think that I ever really communicated that um, you know because I was so young but you know she is a key part of you know very of a lot of aspects that shaped my childhood and you know kind of gave me this drive that I have to do so many things you know she's one of the most hardworking, inspirational women I know um, you know, she, she currently owns a dance company here in Denver, um, as well as, you know, I'm pretty sure she still teaches figure skating, um, but it's because of her, it's because she pushed me, um, because, because unfortunately she put up with my troubled teenage years, um, and, you know, ultimately she inspired me to just be a confident, better version of myself. So I really want to say thank you to her because without her, I would not be where I am today. Uh, without her, I would not have had such an amazing, strong, powerful female role model in my life. Um, and just, you know, there's so, there's so many aspects of my life that I have to thank her for. So she's the one that I want to thank because she is just amazing. And, you know, to this day, I still look up to her, even if it's from afar. And that was all for today. Don't forget to rate the episode if you liked it. it and stay like tuned boys. for what's coming next.